Oh yeah, ooh, ah, that's how it always starts. But then later there's running and uh, screaming. Think it'll scare the kids? The kids? This will be the parents' nightmares. Hello, my name is Austin Torres, and welcome to the Would You Die podcast, the show where we talk about our favorite horror monsters and villains. This is the final episode of what I'm calling Jurassic June, a whole month of the podcast dedicated to my favorite franchise of all time, the Jurassic Park franchise. Today, I'm excited because I am joined by someone who I've wanted on this show for a very long time. He is someone who does it all. He's an actor, producer, stunt actor. I said actor twice because that's how awesome he is. He's a professional wrestler, <laughs> personal trainer. Please welcome my friend, Justin Maine. Hi, guys. Thank you for having me, Austin. I, I appreciate you. Thankfully, we finally worked out a day and a time. I've, I've been a, a real dick to Austin when it comes to scheduling, so I apologize for that. Um, it's just been, like I was telling you, um, it's been mm-hmm. super busy lately. So, uh, again, I'm, I'm glad to to be on on the interview and uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to talking with you about horror and and my favorite franchise ever oh oh starry night baby i love that so people listening he, uh justin has this great shirt it's the St- van gogh vincent van gogh starry night with uh rexy in the iconic t-rex breakout pose from the original jurassic park and i am geeking out all over it because <laughs> that is so that is so cool um, I'm already about to go on one of my famous tangents. I have a whole like list of questions and I'm like, nope, I'm going to go on a tangent right now because <laughs> I love that shirt. I have like three Starry Night shirts that are like that, but not really? that. I but have a Boba- Jurassic Park one. Yeah, I have a Boba Fett one. Okay. I have a Godzilla one. Oh, the Godzilla one. I'm super curious about that. Um, I- I'll have to find that and take a picture of it and send it to you. And I think I, I might just have the two now that I, I think I think I but I know I have the Boba Fett one and then the Godzilla one's really fun I gotta see that Godzilla one I'm I'm huge fan <laughs> of Godzilla so I'm, I'm totally down for that there is a huge through like there's a huge what's the word I'm looking for overlap between Jurassic Park fans and Godzilla fans oh yeah and I love oh, it. yeah big time oh yeah especially like I think especially when it came to like 98 Godzilla which I am I'll probably get a whole lot of shit for this, but I still love that movie. I love that movie so much. It's it's perfect cheese. It's such perfect cheese. I don't know why people were so like down. Okay, it's not the best movie ever made. Sure, I might be one of the most lenient movie critics out there. I'm not a movie critic, but I'm very lenient. Um, <laughs> it's a fun movie. I like the cast. Sure, there are some bad parts to it, but like most movies have bad things in it. It's not the end of the world. It's really not that bad, honestly. It's not that bad. I think the biggest criticism that it had was that it had the Godzilla label to it. So if it was called something else, like some other type of monster movie, I'm sure it would have got a whole lot less shit than it did. But because they took a creative decision with the character design and you know they didn't have the complete 100% origin story, that's, that's, that's the only reason it got shit, honestly. Right. If, if it were any other, if it were any other title i'm sure it would have been just fine it would have been received just well right and and people would have appreciated the cheese the cheesy aspect for what it was 
Right. Uh, um, 100%. But at the same time, you don't want to you don't want to fuck with Godzilla fans. They will let you know when they're oh, no. upset. <laughs> oh, no, they are angry, angry people if they are upset. Oh, boy, you do not fuck with a Godzilla fan. Mm-mm. No, sir. Like you think Star Wars fans are bad? Godzilla fans, like they're merciless, but oh, they're yeah. also like the most loving, too. <laughs> you know who's like, really tough? The Crow fans. Oh, my God. Are they oh. really? Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, so there's two different sectors of Crow fans. There is the uh, the, the Crow, uh, people who like the comics, the franchise, um, James O'Barr, all that stuff. And then you have the whole other sector, which is just strictly Brandon Lee fans. And they clash constantly. It is a war when it comes to like Crow fans between those two. And like they're always going back and forth. Like we, especially when we launched a trailer and we like distinctly said, this isn't an Eric Draven story. This isn't featuring Brandon Lee. This is a completely original thing. Like it constantly, even to this day, a year later on that first trailer, we still get people saying, you're, this is sacrilege. You're killing the memory of Brandon Lee. Hey, he's rolling in his grave. And it's just like, stop, just stop. We're not doing any of that. You don't even like, people still think it's not even like a, like a fan film and it. <laughs> Like we distinctly label it in various places, in the trailer, in the description, everywhere. And it's just, I think fandoms are toxic, man. They're real toxic. Yeah, because you could pick out any fandom and there are just people out there that use their fandom as an excuse to be dicks towards others. Yeah, it makes it less fun. Like you're fearful. I don't even want to say fearful, but you're like worried that if you say one wrong thing to the wrong person, it's just all of a sudden going to blow up in your face because they just disagree with you. Like there's a severe lack of respect of one another's like emotions and opinions. I feel, especially when it comes to fandom over certain things, but I see, I think you see it a lot and I don't want to get into politics. That's not why we're here, but like, <laughs> you, you see it, you see it a lot in, in today's day and age. And I just, I, I just want to see people respect one another going forward. And I hope that happens. Well, I think there's kind of a, um, What's the word I'm looking for? Anonymity? I did not pronounce that right, but you can hide. You said hide. it. I, you said I it better did. than I could say it. I can't say it. Anonymity? Anonymity. I can't. But you can be anonymous. Hey, there you go. <laughs> you could be anonymous like online and by hiding behind a picture of like Rick from Rick and Morty or Pikachu or whoever you want to be. You can just like hide behind a username and your favorite character mm-hmm. and just say the most awful shit towards someone else. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And the, the problem, the problem with that is that like some people, some people can let this stuff roll off their shoulders and other people can't, you know, some people take it to heart. They, you know, they take it personally and it, it affects them emotionally. Like it makes yeah. you think like how many people out there, like, like when this stuff does happen online, when they have somebody like, you know, saying inflammatory remarks towards them like are they taking this outside of wherever they're at and like are they self-harming themselves or are they doing something that could lead to that and i as much great as the internet and social media has brought to people i think it's brought just as much if not more negative and and just nasty type of behavior like you said the anonymity (laughs) um leads people to be more desensitized to and and lack empathy towards other people and i i hope i hope that changes i i really do like 
honestly, don't even be surprised if like I just go off of social media <laughs> like at some point. I'm just, I'm just, I'm so tired of seeing it. I'm so tired of seeing arguing and just people being assholes. And well, I, at this I just hope it goes away. At this point, I've been slowly but surely just stop scrolling. Like I'm not really looking at it anymore. I just go on to post my stuff and then I get off. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't really scroll anymore. I think you got the right idea. I think you got the right idea for sure. Like just stay away from scrolling. Because <laughs> I want to engage with other people who like the stuff that I like mm-hmm. and people who dis- like, dislike the stuff that I like because I like to have conversations, you know? But mm-hmm. then some people are like, oh, you like Star Wars The Last Jedi? Well, you're not a true Star Wars fan. And it's like, what? <laughs> like where what did that, that come mean? from? What right. does that mean? Or, yeah, like the Star Wars sequels ruined my childhood. If that's the case, you didn't have a good childhood. If a movie can do that, I'm sorry, but yeah, like that's real sad, actually. Like, you should have had a more expansive childhood. Yeah, and that's but. not the movie's fault. It's one thing yeah. to dislike a movie, but it's another thing to attack a movie. Are people that made the film are just like the film? Or dislike oh, yeah. it. It go like it goes both ways. Like people are allowed to dislike uh, Star Wars sequels. You know, it's just I feel like nuance is lacking, and you see this in politics and in sports and any other thing where there could be a stance. But with like movies, it either has to be the greatest thing you have ever seen, or it has to be the death of cinema before your very eyes. Movies right. aren't like can't be okay anymore anymore and to bring our jurassic park conversation to jurassic park for a second (laughs) Um, which is very much what's happening with dominion and i think that's what you're transitioning into yeah yeah it's very 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 much so trans like domin dominion's getting a lot of like a lot of flack and i don't think a lot of it is deserved some of it is oh yeah not 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 as much as it's getting it's surprising and like I didn't think it was a very good movie, but I liked a lot of stuff that it did. I mm. thought they tried a lot of different things, um, and I liked a lot of scenes in it. I really liked the effects. I thought there was a lot of hard work put into bringing the dinosaurs to life, and I thought there was right. some great CG and practical effects, and I thought the film looked great. I just think they spread themselves way too thin story-wise and try to do mm. a bunch of different things. And for me, it didn't call, it didn't mesh together very well. I can see that. Yeah, I can I, I can for sure see that. I, I think Dominion Dominion's a tough cookie. It's it's a yeah. tough cookie to crack because there's on one hand you look at it for all of the potential and all the promise that it has and the ideas that it brings forward. There's a lot of clever things that they're doing in that film. A lot, yeah. a lot of clever things. And I just wish that some of those things would have been expanded upon and they weren't. It makes me want to see more of it. And that's why I'm hoping that maybe they make like future films or like a, I think this would be the better direction of going, going forward, create mm-hmm. a limited series, like okay. explore the world via limited series, because then you don't have to cram everything into one film. You can take your time going through these different, you know, parts of the world, these different uh, issues, and you can really just take your time and explore that story. And I think that would be a better direction to go in because I think that's part of the problem with Dominion. And to me, that was probably my my own personal biggest critique is that like there were a lot of opportunities that just presented themselves and then were missed. Yeah. And I I wish 
I wish some of those opportunities would have been deep dived a little bit more. So that was probably my biggest thing. And then like, there's some pacing issues, mostly in the, in the second act. Um, and then a little bit more towards the end. I felt like there was more of a natural ending specific. Are we talking about spoilers at this point? Because it's been a couple of weeks since it was released. Oh, uh, we should probably put a spoiler alert. Um, so <laughs> spoiler alert for Jurassic World Dominion. And just to be on the safe side, literally every movie in the Jurassic Park franchise. At this point, this is my fifth straight Jurassic Park episode. So people listening <laughs> probably know about Dominion. Um, right, right. I, I figured. Or no, they're not going to. But you never know. You know, I wanted to be safe. I don't want to be that. that I want to be safe. Exactly. Yeah. I'm glad um, you brought that up. <laughs> really. But um, but like there, there is like a, a, a natural ending to the film after um, the. So there's a debate. Is it do you think it's Giganotosaurus or Giganotosaurus? What is your opinion on that? I thought it was Giganotosaurus. See, I thought it was Giganotosaurus. <laughs> I grew up, especially looking at pronunciations of dinosaurs, because I've been a dinosaur fan my entire life, ever since I was a, a wee little baby. <laughs> ever since I was a wee little baby, I always thought that it was Giganotosaurus, because every textbook, every single thing I'd ever read pronounced it jig, not gig, yeah. jig, right? And everything I've been seeing since then has been gig. And they pronounced it gig in the movie. And it's like, it's making my brain kind of swell because I don't know, I don't know if it's right or not. So, um, but anyways, there was like, I felt like a natural ending with the Giganotosaurus um, after the the crew, the main cast mm -hmm. lights it off. It felt like, it felt like more of a natural ending. And I feel like, they did the helicopter stuff with the T-Rex and the Therizinosaurus just to have that in there and just to get the fight in as opposed to it feeling like a natural ending. Does, does that make sense? No, like I, just, I agree 100%. Like they're trying to recreate the magic from Jurassic World with like, you know, Blue helping Rexy out, you know, yeah. killing the Indominus Rex and then the Mosasaurus jumping in. I felt like they're trying to recreate that entire scene. The, the You can even watch the camera movements. They're doing the same camera movements in between the dinosaurs yeah. going to the main cast, um, which in Jurassic World, it was fucking genius. That is brilliant filmmaking it was very expertly well done um and very clever but like in here i just felt like they were trying to do that again and i would have rather have seen them go into a different direction than try to recreate that again i i agree with that because did you see the prologue that was released yes. a couple months mm -hmm. when that gets cut that ending fight between the i guess the giga and rexy it doesn't make as much sense with the prologue cut out Honestly, it just like I mean, feels crammed in there. So, but, but, but here's the thing. Here's the thing mm -hmm. with that. If we look at the prologue and we look at the the logist the the logical aspect to it, Rexy now is. I mean, I guess you're they're using the same blood sample, so it's in essence the same blood. It's a different mm -hmm. dinosaur from right. 65. It's still a different dinosaur. It's not going to have the memories of the one 65 million years ago. The same thing with the Giganotosaurus. They're going to have, it's, 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 a, it's a brand new exact replica of that dinosaur, but it's brand new. It doesn't have the same memory. So like the prologue to me, I love the prologue, but from a logical point of view, it doesn't really make any sense because I don't think the T-Rex would be like, huh, you again. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? <laughs> I see what you mean. I, I see <laughs> what you mean. And that's kind of how they were tying it up. And I just, I wasn't like, 
I wasn't super keen on that on that idea. So I, I don't mind the prologue not being in there. I just wish they would have went to a more natural ending. I would have rather like yeah. Rexy walked in on the Giganotosaurus attacking, you know, them at the, the little platform thing or the science lab or whatever it is. I think right. that would have been a more natural ending. Keep the Rexy in that space. Don't move them to a different space and then restart this whole thing again. It just, I, I don't know. I, I hate to be critical because it's the film business and I want to be in a Jurassic Park movie. Universal, please don't take the start. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it, I, I, I have to be honest. I have to be honest. I'm right. not one of those people that's just going to kiss ass for the sake of kissing ass. Like, I feel like, yeah, I feel like that could have been better handled. And there are various parts of the movie that I feel like could have been better handled, um, which if you want to talk about those, we can. But like th- just that, that scene in particular, um, I, I, I think it just, for me personally, fell a little flat. No, I agree. Because um, as now, I also don't want to kiss Universal's ass, but I would love to work on a Jurassic Park movie or limited series one day. Universal hit me up. Um, <laughs> hit, I'm sorry. Hit us up. We, we'll work yes. together. <laughs> Put the phone numbers in the description. We're good. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but with the Jurassic World trilogy, they kind of, I feel like it's the first time they treated some of the dinosaurs as actual characters with right. Rexy being one of them which is great um, i love that idea yeah. you make that you treat them more like instead of movie monsters you treat them more like actual animals with and animals have feelings they have emotions they have you know thoughts right. too so I, i'm glad that they i'm glad that they went more in that direction treating them more realistic as opposed to just movie monster mayhem Right, because like in Jurassic Park, I think they did a good job treating them as real animals, but they're more like, I hesitate to say plot devices in the original, but they're not characters right. in the original. Like, right. our our heroes are trying to survive the island, and there's a chaotic neutral T-Rex just roaming, doing whatever she wants, and then some chaotic evil raptors trying to get uh, Tim and Lex sandwich in the kitchen. Like, you know what I mean? Right. But Blue feels like a character. Rexy feels like a character now. And I would argue that the Mosasaurus feels like a character, even though the Mosasaurus gets like maybe one or two scenes in each movie. I would put the Mosasaurus (laughs) as more of kind of like your, I think that's the closest they get to the, like the movie monster deal and like the Jurassic Mm -hmm. World franchise. Um, is with the Mosasaurus because I, every single time we see the Mosasaurus, it's always attacking something or killing right. something, right? So I think that's the closest that you're getting to it. Like I would have liked to have seen in the franchise itself a little bit more. Like I guess not saying that every dinosaur has to be super intelligent because not every dinosaur was, but like I would have liked to have seen more of like a moment where it was like resting or something like that. Like and we have to scoop past it. Right. Or, you know, I, I would have liked to have seen something like that where we show it more doing more or less doing animal things as opposed to just killing. Well, I think I think they actually had a moment like that in Dominion and it's my favorite part of the movie. But when the apatosaur is stuck in the construction zone yes, and they have to like use like I think a megaphone and like a flashing light to kind of guide it out of there. that. That's, I love that scene. that's brilliant. I love that scene so yeah. much. And I wanted to see more of that in the film. I wanted to see more right. of that, like how, how dinosaurs are affecting society and not so much just in the black market. Cause we, obviously that would be a thing, but like, I want to see like an apatosaurus block traffic. 
how do you handle that situation? Like what happens when you have a pair or a pack of uh, Comstagnathus attacking a restaurant? Like, right. like rats, right? Like how do you take care of that situation? Or how, what about when like a Utah raptor or a Deinonychus like attacks, you know, a flock of sheep, right? Like a wolf. I want to see like how people handle those situations. That, right. that to me, that is super exciting. And it's super, it's super interesting to see that. And not that's to, why Battle of Big Rock was so good. Yes. Yeah. Battle of Big Rock to me was so fucking brilliant. I wanted to see that expanded. Because that was awesome. Because right. it's just this family just camping, minding their own business. And then dinosaurs are handling their personal business inside like the family's camping trip. And it's just so. It's these two universes cool. clashing, right? And they have right. to learn how to handle one another. Obviously, the Allosaurus is more concerned with, you know, going after the Pseudoceratops. And then it sees, you know, the trailer, the kids, all that, all that stuff. And, oh, okay, this might be easier prey. Maybe I'm going to go after that. Like, it makes sense from an animal right. standpoint. And that's why I love Battle of Big Rock, because it just there's a lot of logic there and there's a lot of tension and fear. Obviously it's a Jurassic park movie. Kids are not going to die. Um, right. But it's, it's one, and they're probably not going to kill the parents because that would just be incredibly sad. But, you know, I think, I think having more of that in dominion or just going forward, if they decide to, to make any other properties, I think that for me, I would like to see that the direction that they go in. Yes. Um, I like, I actually, will be a defender of them exploring like the giant locusts, the genetic yeah. engineering of them. I think that's a natural progression in the Jurassic Park franchise. Oh, for sure. It's very Michael Crichton. Yeah. Like I didn't, the funny thing was, I didn't even mind the locust thing. I just think they spent too much time on the locust. Yeah. And, and I think, they, sorry. They didn't raise... The, the issue, the other issue with that is that they didn't raise the stakes enough with the locusts. I wanted to see, like, they should have showed more of the world being attacked by them as opposed to just like a plot in Texas. Yeah. Or Utah or Montana or wherever they're at. But like, um, we were just told they were a problem. We weren't shown they were a problem. Right. Exactly. And that's how you create the tension. And I would say that was probably my second biggest issue with Dominion was the, the lack of tension. Um, yeah. We didn't see the stakes being presented in the film we were told the stakes but we didn't see them we didn't feel them you put you could put all these characters in these dangerous situations but it doesn't mean anything unless like there's a stake behind it like what happens if one of the main characters dies your stakes are raised you create right. more tension so that way you know nobody is safe i think dominion did, or um jurassic world did that extremely well like with the um what was her name uh zara like with yeah. the zara character yeah, sure, she was a bit of a bitch, but you didn't think she was going to die the way she did. Like She did not deserve that. I'll die on that. She did not deserve that. <laughs> but here's the thing. She she got it, and that, exactly, created, yeah. that created a shift, right? That created the shift when it came to what to expect and what not to expect. Nobody knew Zara was going to bite it as bad as she did. So as soon as she did, all bets are off. Yeah. So, you know, um, characters like uh, I think his name is Barry, played by Omar Sy. You didn't know mm -hmm. if he was going to survive. Right. Um, right. You didn't you know, know if Chris Doc Pratt is going to live. You right, know, right. We, we all know uh, Bryce Dallas Howard and Chris Pratt. They're going to live. But like. But the likable supporting characters like. Right. You have no clue. And um, and right before Zara um, died, I was um, what's his um, the CEO's name? Uh, Ms. Ronnie. I was not expecting him to go. 
that's another perfect like example. That. But no, I think that was another great character choice that they made or a great tension yeah. building choice because you think Masrani, he's a new John Hamm and he's probably gonna, he's probably gonna make it longer into the film than he did or he's gonna be in the next film or something like that. But then he, they, he, he dies. And right. I love that they did that because now again you're creating stakes and you're creating tension and i felt that like because we've seen this before in the other films where they do that like um eddie carr in the lost world mm-hmm. um donald gennaro in jurassic park uh udesky in jurassic park three yeah. um we've seen these major supporting characters bite it and it creates the stakes in dominion we get none of that and right. that was the issue that I had. We didn't have a major supporting character just bite the dust. And I didn't, I don't, it's not, it's not always about death, but I feel like in a film like Jurassic Park, it's one of the tools in the toolbox that you use to create the stakes and to create the tension. Um, and I just, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of that. And uh, to use the original Jurassic Park, you can create tension without death because they mortally right. injure um, not mortally because he didn't die, but they severely injured Malcolm and oh, took him off yeah. the playing board. Like maybe, I don't know, Claire loses an arm, right. uh, you know? <laughs> well, I, that would be a very interesting choice to lose an arm, but um, but, yeah, but yeah, no, you're, yeah. you're 100% right. Like Malcolm had a, a very serious injury. He got attacked. In the novel, he dies. Like right. that's a whole Right. So in the novel, he completely dies, but they, they kept him alive for the, for the films. But like it just that was another way of creating that tension and those stakes by doing something like that. And that very easily could have been done in Dominion and they just didn't do that. Like you could have, I hate to say it, but you could have mortally hurt Alan Grant. And that would have been like, Oh, you can't touch Alan Grant. Like, but that would have been a great moment because now, as soon as you do that, Holy shit. Again, all bets are off. And honestly, I hate that I'm saying this because she's my favorite character. But they probably should have just killed Rexy. And I spent the whole month like being like, I hope they don't kill Rexy. She's my favorite character. I will not be okay. But then the Giga um, just kind of like curb stomps Rexy on that um, thing of concrete. I thought right. she was dead because like her jaw looked like messed up. And she well, was like, yeah. Yeah. So I was I like, oh, I was like, oh, fuck. And then they did that like dramatic zoom in on the eye. And I'm like, oh, here we why go. Is this worse? Gonna... I was like, why does this feel worse than just killing her? Because <laughs> it was so <laughs> like cheesy and dramatic. I'm like, oh, don't do right. my girl like that. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I, I think that would have been a great choice. To make. And that could have been another. It doesn't even have to be a human. You could have killed off Rexy. You totally yeah. could have killed off Rexy. Um, Our blue. If- I was about to say, if Blue had yeah. been more, I was totally like, before I even knew about any of the, the plot details or the synopsis of the film, I was totally expecting Blue to die. Like, especially once I saw that Beta was in the film, I'm like, oh, yeah. they're going to kill Blue. They're going to kill Blue. They're going to kill her off. She's going to bite it. She's done. Right. And, and I like barely that featured dinosaur. Her. I was like, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you're exactly right. And And there's ways to have tension with, but I mean, I was about to say like the raptors in the kitchen scene from Jurassic Park, beautiful tension. You know, the kids aren't going to die, but you think maybe, but that's also Steven Spielberg being Steven Spielberg. Like, <laughs> right. It's just, it's brilliant directing a hundred percent brilliant directing. Or I mean, with even with the, the raptors in the scene, like or uh, raptors in the kitchen, like at any point, like uh, 
you, if you've never seen the movie for the first time, you could think that maybe somebody would walk in, right? Yeah. While this is happening to the kids and then they get attacked and that create, like your mind kind of goes wild with the possibilities of what could happen and that helps create the tension. So again, it doesn't have to be about death, but it has to be, you have to be very clever with the choices that you make in those scenes. You have to, you have to find those moments to be able to do that where like something, anything could happen at any point. And that creates right. attention for you. And I just, again, with, with, with Dominion, I felt like there, there wasn't enough of those moments. There were some, like the Therizinosaurus scene, br- fucking great. I love that. Yeah. That yeah. was, that was tension. That was t- the, what, the slow pace of it. Oh, beautiful. Loved it. Great tension. The, the plane crash, brilliant yeah. fucking tension. Loved the plane crash. The Dilophosaurus scene as, where it goes. I was just about to say, I personally love the Dilophosaurus. Um, one because the spitters are just cool. I've been waiting for them to bring them back. <laughs> but then, like, they do a lot of cool sound stuff with them. So you're not quite sure where they're at. But you, right. especially when you see in the theater with surround sound, and you just hear like the little hoots and like yeah, rattles all around you, like kind of right. They, they took advantage of the, the surround sound on that. So that was nice. I like that. So there are a lot of good elements to this film and I will defend this film up to a certain point. Right. Like, I don't, I think it's being way too harshly dunked on by like Twitter right. reviewers. <laughs> and they probably, and, and like, honestly, it sounds like we're shitting on this film right now. Like just because we're talking about the, the negative aspects to it, but like right. overall, you, you just have to go, you, you have to see the movie for what it is, which is a thrill ride. It's an, a, you know, it's, it's a popcorn ride, right? Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a roller coaster. Um, and then there's a lot of great things to it. I thought yeah. the cast did, I thought the cast did extremely well. Lewis Dodgson, like Campbell Scott, like was yeah. fantastic. Um, Jeff Goldblum was perfect. Jeff Goldblum. Some <laughs> of my favorite moments in the film were like Jeff Goldblum related. Um, oh yeah, yeah. My 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 girlfriend and I still joke about the about the keypad. <laughs> I fucking love that keypad scene so much. <laughs> That's yeah. I still laugh at it. Six nine six. Oh, what do you know? <laughs> he's so if you good. look at it closely he's typing in 69 and it's just it's, <laughs> uh, it's so jeff goldblum ian malcolm like it was brilliant like yeah no the acting was great like the action set pieces were fantastically directed like malt the malta scene yes. oh my god yes. could you like you know what's really brilliant about the malta scene and i think this is where colin trevorrow was like very cleverly inspired by uh steven spielberg there's no score mm-hmm. There's no score in that scene for a period, like a long period of time. Yeah. It is, you're just hearing like just sound effects and environmental sound. And I think that 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 was a very tense scene. And I was shocked by it. Yeah. Like especially like racing to the to the plane and whatnot. Like it was very, very tense. I thought that was like to me, that was the the biggest moment of tension in that film was that whole entire multi scene. It was just so well done. Yeah. And then when the score does come back, it's they use it as a tool to just ramp up the tension just a little bit further because there's mm-hmm. been no score for a long period of time. So when it right. does come in, it hits even harder. Right. It, it has it has more momentum to it. Um, right. Again, very similar to how uh, Steven Spielberg directed the uh, Rexy attacking the Jeeps scene. There's no score in that. Had there been score, right. I think it would have drawn back from the tension in the scene. It would have distracted. But instead, Steven Spielberg forces you 
to stay in that scene with the characters in that moment, hearing the raindrops, hearing the footsteps, hearing the screams in the background, hearing gusts of wind. Like he forces you to hear all of this, all this stuff to put you into the moment with the characters. And I thought, I mean, Steven Spielberg is brilliant filmmaking, but right. like when I saw Colin Trevorrow use a little bit of that tactic in the malt in the Malta scene, I was very happy by that because it's yeah. again, it's very those are the influences that I like I, I, I like to see was uh, stylistic and directing choices that were inspired from previous films. And I like that in the Malta sequence, we get a little bit of like Jason Bourne, a little bit of like Fast and Furious, which those are action franchises, but like, it's cool to see the Jurassic Park franchise um, spread its wings a little bit, so to speak, and explore other, other styles. Right. Aspect that I really loved about Fallen Kingdom was essentially releasing the Indoraptor into that mansion and making it a haunted house movie for a little really? bit. Dude, I could go on for days about Fallen Kingdom. I could go <laughs> on for fucking days. It is the lost world of the Jurassic World franchise. I love the lost world. The lost I world is so fucking underrated. It's not even funny. And I feel like Fallen Kingdom is in that same category. It is I totally in the same category. It is so, I don't know why the fuck it got so much shit from critics and from even like just regular like audiences it makes yeah. no sense to me it j.a bayona did such a great job on that film and stylistically it's gorgeous i would put it up there stylistically as one of the best in the franchise if not tied with the best period and, and if you want to talk about tension the scene where uh claire and um what's his name franklin they're trapped in the gyrosphere and they're sinking and it's this one shot and Chris Pratt's um, Owen is trying to like break into there as everyone's sinking and it's all done in one ah, shot. It's filmmaking it's magic. It's great. It's filmmaking yeah. magic. I love Fallen Kingdom for all the ballsy fucking choices that it makes. It makes me so happy. I love that movie so much. It makes so many great choices and it just it saddens me. It saddens me that it doesn't get the love that it deserves. Like, it really, truly saddens me. I think Fallen Kingdom and Dominion are going to join the the club that has, like, the Star Wars prequels and Spider-Man 3. In 15, 20 years, it's going to be everyone's favorite movies, but you and I are going to be sitting here like, we've mm -hmm. been saying that. <laughs> right. Well, no, no. Think, think, think of it like this. If you, if you really look at the Jurassic Park franchise and then the Jurassic World franchise, they actually kind of link up in terms of like overall reception film to film obviously the the most the most popular positive reception was for the first movies right jurassic park and right. jurassic world there are people who shit on jurassic world but like overall the if you, if you even if you look at like rotten tomatoes i think like the the score in there is like what is it like 80 something which is pretty fucking high on rotten tomatoes yes. and then like you go to lost world and then fallen kingdom and then the critical reception comes down Lost World still has a slightly higher uh, critical reception than um, than Fallen Kingdom, um, but overall people see the the dip in quality between the two sequels, right? And then right. you go to Jurassic Park three and Dominion, and those are the critically and some audience wise um, are the the worst reviewed in the in each of their own respective franchises. They actually follow this really weird parallel path of critical reception film to film right. and i think it's just i find it really interesting because now if you talk to people because 
Lost World for a while was getting a lot of shit, and now it's starting to come back into the light, and people are actually starting to enjoy it. And the, uh, surprisingly, Jurassic Park three is the same way too. Like people are yeah. seeing it for what it is. I didn't like it for the longest time because I it, it didn't have the same type of substance to me as the other films did. But if you take it for what it is, and just a roller coaster, a, a thrill ride, an hour and a half, you have some fun with it, and then you just let it go. It's a it's a good movie. It's fun to watch. Yeah. Um, and I feel like the Jurassic World franchise is probably going to have that same type of feeling in like the next like 10 years. People are going to rewatch it and they're going to see like, oh, this ain't that bad. It's pretty good. Yeah. No, exa- I, I 100% agree. And you see that with all the big franchises, right? Right. Like, like I said, the Star Wars prequels, they're definitely getting love now, but they were hated. Like mm-hmm. they were hated. And I, I remember, I remember how much, like they made a documentary about how much people hated the Star Wars prequels. And they're really not that bad. They're, they're not, not that bad. They're fun. And, and I'm going to say it right now and I'll probably get shit for this. I'm not that big of a Star Wars fan. I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, man. I, <laughs> I hate to break your heart, but I'm really not that big of a Star Wars fan. So like for me to actually enjoy the prequels, I thought to me, that was a big deal. I always I I, I didn't really understand why why I was so disliked I still don't to be perfectly honest (laughs) the only thing I didn't like about it was CGI there's just too much CGI but um I I think story-wise it was fine I I can I can um understand that but for me personally I just think it's I think they were brilliant because they really pushed CGI for better or for worse but those Star Wars prequels were like pioneers for CGI. Um, I, I mean, Jurassic Park gets all the love for really being the first one. Mm. But Star, I think the Star Wars prequels helped make it standard practice. Right. For, for better or for worse. That's not necessarily a good thing when, uh, when everything's exactly. a green scheme. <laughs> Everything is CGI now. There's an over-reliance on it. Right. Um, I, and think, an- I think the... I think you're right, though. Like the prequels did kind of help set set the standard that you can create an entire world in CGI, not just characters or certain things, but like you can literally physically put a real person in a CGI environment and for the most part, make it work within reason. (laughs) Right. And like I said, for for better or for worse, um, that's what they did. But I don't see much of a difference between the Star Wars prequels and the average Marvel film. Yeah. in terms of like filmmaking methods no like no there's not really similar. a difference yeah i think that's a i think that's a great um a great comparison yeah that totally i can see that and i i like all these big franchises star wars marvel jurassic park like i like nerdy things but it it just feels dishonest for me to be like just because i like the marvel movies doesn't mean i like everything they do if that makes sense right no for sure because I wish the Marvel movies did a lot more practically. I liked Spider-Man No Way Home, but I did. I thought it looked like shit. <laughs> you know, like I don't want to shit on a movie I like or a movie I there dislike. I don't like shitting on movies, but I did not think it looked good. And I, there are parts yeah. that I thought looked pretty good, but like again, I, I think it's not even just Marvel. I think it's a, I think it's plagued a lot of films. Period, yeah, over reliance on CGI. When you can do things practically or you can get as close to practical as possible on it, why not go in that direction? 
build sets, if you can't, if it's, if it's such a huge idea that you need CGI, build up the set as best as you can and then fortify the rest in, in CGI. But don't, if you have the choice to not, especially as an actor, like I look yeah. at it from like an actor perspective, it helps tremendously to be physically in the location with whatever we're acting with. The, the, the whole Dominion uh, joke, uh, acting with a tennis mm-hmm. ball with it like a dinosaur, like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, part of, that, part of an actor is having, you know, a very vivid imagination and being able to create, you know, what's in front of you. But if you really want to help the actor, like put practical there, build the set, have the set like designed, build a practical monster or a costume or, or whatever and, and go more in that direction. And I think the audience res- the audiences see that and respect that too because you see it in films a lot. Like you you watch these characters barely react to like like the CG monster because they're not physically there. They're not being physically threatened by it. Um, right. I'm not saying every actor does that, but you do see it. And I don't know. I would like to see I would like to see the business go more towards practicality again. I think there's a great usage of it in the early '90s and late '80s, like especially the early '80s. Like there's a lot yeah. of like clever things coming out, like the Thing, Terminator, Terminator Two, Alien, Aliens, like a lot of that, a lot of that type type of film. Focus, like I'm an American Werewolf in, in London. Yes, like you, they did all that shit practical. And then only barely used like the CGI just to embellish a few things. But overall, it was mostly like practical. And I think it shows in the quality of the film. So I don't know. I'd like to see the business go a little bit more back to that. And um, to and to bring Jurassic Park into a mix, I feel like Jurassic Park found that magic 50-50 balance. They used what was bet for the best for the shot. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can watch Jurassic Park and even like how many years has been 30, 20, uh, what was Came it? Out 93. So it's, it's going to turn 30 next year. Yeah. So it's going to be 30 next year. That CGI still holds up. Yeah. It still holds up to this day. And it's because they picked and chose how to feature their CGI. Sure. They use darker environments. Sure. They used uh, environments with very little lighting or very hot. Like when there was lighting, it was very highlight, like to, right. to, to give like a little bit more of that sheen to the skin. But because of that, the creatures feel like they have substance. They feel like they have weight. You see muscles move, you see fat jiggle, like when it right. comes to these dinosaurs. And I think that's why like they still hold up to this day because you're, you're not over relying on the CGI. You're just putting it in the right places. Um, right. Whereas now I feel like it's almost more convenient to make a CG creature rather than a practical one and make it work in the environment. So, but because of that, you, you lose the, the, the feeling of it being real. I just, I personally have the philosophy, you got to do what's best for the shot. And I think in most cases that will be practical. If you can marry the two together, I think audiences are far more forgiving. hundred percent. Yeah. No, well, the thing with filmmaking and, and movies and it, overall is, I mean, unless, unless you're watching a documentary, us as audience right. members know what we're watching is not real, but we're suspending our disbelief to believe it's real, to be entertained, right? You can only go so far with that before you start losing your audience because you're insulting their intelligence. So you're questioning right. their intelligence, right? And once you start going in that direction, that's when your, your, your audience tunes out. That's when they're going to stop focusing on what you're putting on the screen and focusing on what's happening behind the screen. Does that make right. sense? Oh, yeah. So. Oh, yeah. I completely agree. Because like some of the older movies from 
like the 50s and the 60s, like not even the 70s or 80s, because that's like the height of practical effects. Those effects are amazing. But like there are movies from the 50s that I still like the War of the Worlds. Those creatures do not look great. Are the original Godzilla. I know that's a guy in in a suit. Man in suit. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Like you're you're not fooling fooling me, but it's a good movie. And I get engrossed every time because, yes, I know it's a man in a suit, but I'm still like, that's Godzilla. Right. Well, they're 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 focusing more on the story as opposed right. to the effect. And I feel like now it's more the effect than the story. And I it, it needs to go back to the story part, because if you strengthen your story, you have a strong story. And then it doesn't matter what your effect is. It's only going to enhance the story if you have your story set in place. And again, it's just it's an over reliance on the, the magic versus the actual magician. And I, I, I think I agree with that. That need, that shit needs to change. Cause like to like look at Alien or to look at the thing, those have like probably some of the best practical effects ever. Some of the best, yeah, for sure, hundred percent. But their effects don't really mean anything if those stories aren't also great. Yeah. Like if we didn't love Ripley or McCready, those characters, if we didn't engage with them, I don't think we're talking about the Xenomorph or the thing today. No, we're not. And that was, again, that was clever filmmaking and clever storytelling because you have, in order to care about the the effects that you're putting on the screen, you have to care about the characters that are interacting with them. Otherwise, you're right. just not going to care. Sure, it looks pretty, but it's, it, the cotton candy looks pretty. And then it fucking melts in your mouth in like 10 seconds. You're just going to forget Thank about you. it. It's not going to mean it. It's not going to mean a fucking thing. That's, right. You need to put again the the criticism of Dominion. You can have the world's best effects, but if you don't have the characters' relationship with those effects, and you don't have that established, it it doesn't mean anything. You're absolutely right. I did want to ask because we've kind of been all over the Jurassic Park franchise, as we should. It's a great franchise. Of course. I'm assuming the original is your favorite. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I do have a fun. <laughs> For Jurassic World, though, um, I might be a little bit biased about that. Why is that? Jurassic, well, I was in it. I did <gasps> extra work. I, w- I did extra work in Jurassic World. So, yeah, that was my Guys. first. Uh, yeah, I, I've done extra work prior to that, but that was like that whole experience working on that was what ignited my passion for filmmaking and acting and getting into it as a professional career. Um, so that was that was great. That was fun. So I have a fondness for it, but Jurassic Park will will always be my favorite. I just want to take the moment to immortalize this moment. <laughs> I am talking to someone who was in a Jurassic Park movie. Oh, yeah. No, I, I fucking that whole experience is great, man. I remember uh, finding out about the, the casting call in I think it was February 2014. And they were casting for Hawaii and Louisiana. And I have originally applied for Hawaii. I got a response back and then I gave them documentation about where I lived at. And then I never heard anything. So I was like, okay, well, I live in Michigan. Right. They're probably not going to, they're not going to take me. So then the Louisiana casting call came out and ironically, they're doing a open casting call at a school in um, near new Orleans or new Orleans as they like to say (laughs) in Louisiana. But um, anyway, so I went down Well, I talked about it with my girlfriend at the time. And it was going to be a big investment because it was, it was like a last second flight. Um, mm-hmm. It was my birthday. It was on, on a, it, ironically my birthday weekend. 
that I flew down, <laughs> which was um, the, the weekend of March 28th. And okay. I talked with a couple of people and they're like, dude, if you don't do this, you're going to regret this for the rest of your life. Like, do it. Go down there. So got the tickets, went down there, stayed the weekend, went to the casting call, met with the casting director for Locals. Her name was Judy Boulay told her our story that we were from Michigan and we were flying down. And, you know, this is like my child, five-year-old childhood dream to be in Jurassic Park. Not, like not even just like a movie, but like the actual Jurassic Park. So um, <laughs> she got a good laugh out of it, um, took down her information and then um, said she would stay in contact, but she's going to do everything in her power to get us in the film. So we go back up to Michigan. I think it was like about a month later or so, mm -hmm. roughly. I get an email and I was at work when I got this email saying that we had been approved for the extras casting in, in Jurassic World. And I literally threw my phone down on the ground, fucking yelled as loud as I could. I worked, <laughs> I worked at Lifetime Fitness as a personal trainer. I literally screamed and I started fucking like just, yes, yes. And like people are fucking like looking at me and, oh, that's such a great day. But, um, but yeah, no, that was seeing the set for the first time because we did the, the main street stuff. We were there for six, we filmed for six days and then we were there for 10. Um, I just remember like stepping on a set. I remember just taking it all in and I fucking just, I broke down and I cried. Like I, I had to sit down, like I had to sit down on one of the fountains and fucking just cry because it was, it was like this overwhelming amount of like, I can't, I never believed that this moment would happen. It'd be like if a, like a Spider-Man fan got to go to the or like a Batman fan got to go to like the Batman's lair, right? Yeah. You know, the, the Batcave, right? Right. It was, that's me going to Jurassic Park. Yeah, it was just amazing. I have a lot of stories, but it was, it was an amazing experience. That is awesome. And I, I just like, I'm so happy. I mean, I know this was a few years ago, but I'm like, I'm so happy you got to do that. Thank that you. Yeah, it was great. Part of me is low-key jealous. I, I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> but, um... But I, I think that's such an amazing story. And I would have like, if I was in that position, I would have cried at work. I don't care. <laughs> I had to try to hold it together <laughs> as best as I could, but it is what it is. I mean, what are they going to do? I'm going to Jurassic Park. So hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, no, I, it was, it was just, awesome. a good, it, it was a great experience. Um, I almost got to do stunts on it. Oh. I came super close to doing it. I just, I wasn't sag after at the time. So I talked with one of the stunt actors on the film and he, um, I told him my background as a pro wrestler. Mm -hmm. um, I, at that point I had like, I think 10 years or something like that. So like I could take falls and hits and stuff like that. I'd already done stunts in films previous to that, like in like student films and whatnot. So like I yeah. had some experience doing that. So I, I talked to them like, Hey, like, you know, I do have a little bit of a background in pro wrestling. Like if you guys need anybody, like I'm, I'm totally more than willing to, to do stunts on this. Like, just let me know if you guys want any, anybody else. He's like, well, I'm not the person to talk to, but if you go, go to that guy over there, um, he's pointing at the stunt coordinator, big time stunt coordinator. He's like, if you talk to him, he might be able to do something for you. So just uh, whenever you get a chance, I wouldn't do it now. He seems a little busy, but like when you, maybe we, when we come back from lunch, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll introduce you to him. So we go to lunch, come back, totally stood by his word, introduced me to the, to the, um, to the stunt coordinator. Mm -hmm. His name was Chris. Oh my God. I'm blanking on his last name, but his he, big time, big time stunt coordinator, like one of the biggest ones in the world. He introduced me to him and I told him like, 
kept it real brief. I'm like, hey, I, my name is Justin. Uh, you were referred to me from this guy over here. I have a background in pro wrestling. I, I, I've been hired in as an extra, but if you need anybody else to take like a fall, I can take like a fall for any of these scenes. I'm, I'm more than willing to do it. Um, just let me know and I'll be, I'll be here for you. And he was like, well, that sounds great. Uh, um, but I can only really use you if you have a, a SAG-AFTRA card. Do you have SAG-AFTRA? And I, oh. I knew what SAG-AFTRA was at the time, but I was like, I, I don't. And he's like, oh man, I, I, I wish I could say yes, but unfortunately we have to have you SAG-AFTRA. So I made it my life's work to get a SAG-AFTRA card <laughs> after that <laughs> moment. <laughs> but super close. I, I think you'll get your opportunity again. So I hope so. Uh, I mean, it's still, it's still my, uh, my dream to be a part of a Jurassic Park project, but in a larger capacity. So like I'm here's to hoping. Universal. If you're listening, we're coming. <laughs> get I'll, ready. Put, I'll put it out there right now. I yeah, mean, w- Chris Pratt did it in, in parks and rec when he talked about Jurassic Park four. So, you know what? I'm, I'm gonna do it. Yeah. Universal. Colin Trevorrow, I want to be in a Jurassic Park movie. Put me, damn it. <laughs> it's going to happen. You got to manifest that energy. You got to put it out there. That's why I, yeah, that's why I tell everyone, like, I'm going to write and direct a Predator movie. I keep, I tell everyone that I don't know when it's going to happen. I just know it's going to happen. <laughs> I like that. Very, very cool. I, I saw the um, trailer for Prey. That looks oh, that really looks, good. It it's makes very me- interesting. I'm I'm so happy that it exists. I like I love I um the guy who wrote I think he wrote and directed it. He did Ten Cloverfield Lane, which is one of my favorite movies from the last decade. Low, low key is a really good. It's a really good film. I think it's I I think it's so good. But it's going straight to Hulu, and that makes me so mad. I want to see that in the theater. It's an interesting choice. <laughs> I, I'm, I don't know why. So- I, I I feel like it should go to theaters. For sure, it's, it feels like, it felt like a movie. The, the trailer felt like a theater movie, like hundred percent. Right? So I, I was a little surprised to see that. Nothing against Hulu, but like I feel like that really should have went to theaters. And it's like I like Hulu. Um, I think it's a huge get for them. For sure. Oh, that's huge. But I want to see this in theater. It's a Predator yeah. movie. Yeah. I like, yeah. I I hope they do a soft run. If they if they're yeah. not going to do a full on like theater run, I would hope that they would pick a couple of theaters like nationwide and, and air it because i would i right it, again, it feels like a theater movie like i feel like you would need a theater experience for that and i 100 agree and i'm just like i don't want to be like anti-tv because i'm not but it's like predator is a big screen property right well i mean you have your event movies right so like star right. wars jurassic park avatar like you have your event movies where like of course when there's one coming out it you you you're going to see it in theaters. You're not going to want to see it on TV for the first time. Most people. Um, I feel like Predator could fall into that category, just like Aliens. Like, you're not going to watch Aliens on TV. Right. You'd rather see it in theaters. Or Terminator. Exactly. Yeah, I I think Predator would be similar to uh, Terminator in that regard. Because I I love Alien. Alien's my favorite scary movie. I don't feel like that franchise is a vent movie because they're so like sci-fi and they're very cold and intellectual to a point where it's almost not as fun when the theater's packed, if that makes sense. But Predator. I see what you're saying. So you, you, you like more of the, um, the atmosphere, 
like you like feeling like um claustrophobic for alien yeah but right. predator okay, that's a that's a movie like popcorn should be flying and everyone should be like, whoa, like Predator is like a popcorn action, horror, bombastic, like in your face movie, right? You, you, you watch it for the reaction from people around you. I think that's why Marvel yeah. is so popular because like you get like a bunch of nerds like us just geeking out over like certain moments of, like the, like Marvel, right? Well, that's I what I think of event movie. I think packed theater everyone's reacting to the same things mm -hmm. alien i view more as i mean i still see it in theaters but i view more as like i'm gonna go see an art movie <laughs> if that makes sense never, interesting <laughs> comparison making alien to an art movie but i mean yeah i could see it I, especially like the first one like alien well i guess I, I always i always revert to the first one this aliens is an event movie aliens like, is totally an event movie yeah so I guess the franchise can go back and forth, but I always think of the first movie. And then I think Prometheus and um, Alien Covenant are kind of mainstream art movies, if that makes sense. Mm. Something like everybody. Um, No, I said it wrong. Every, everywhere. What's everything, everywhere, all at once. Every, everything, everywhere, all at once. I saw that movie four times and I still couldn't say it right. <laughs> I still need to see that movie. I have not seen it yet. That movie is like what I'll compare Alien to because it's enough to be mainstream appeal, but it's also an art movie, but it's also bonkers. Hmm. And it's hard hmm. to quantify. And I think Alien kind of are the thing because I don't think that I don't think of the thing when I think of I want to be in a packed theater right. with all the homies and we have our popcorn and we're reacting. For that, I think Jurassic Park, Jaws, marvel star wars halloween the halloween franchise i saw halloween mm. kills and i thought that was great in a packed theater because everyone's like oh michael that's nasty and it's great <laughs> but, but i see um, what you're saying like there's certain yeah. movies that like i feel almost do better viewing wise in your home space because then you can create the environment that you want for it so right. that that makes sense i i get that but predator i want in a packed theater because it's going to be gnarly and I, I, I really want to see other people's reactions when Predator does Predator shit. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially if it's interesting, fun looking Predator shit. Yeah, because I was not the biggest fan of the last movie, but I still had fun watching other people's reactions, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, um, for sure. But it's also like a franchise that's very close to me. And I think I have the sensibilities to make a fun one, if that makes okay. sense. Well, I can't wait to see your Predator movie. <laughs> you better make it. It's. It, I don't know when it's going to happen, but it's going to happen. We'll, we'll talk. Um, we're, you and I are entering negotiations. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good to me, man. <laughs> I forgot to ask you the most important question. What's your favorite dinosaur? Oh man, uh, this one constantly changes, but it's always usually, it depends on my mood, I guess, but mm -hmm. <laughs> um, it's either Allosaurus or it's Acrocanthosaurus. Yes! I love Allosaurus is... because it's basically like just a very large pack predator. Like it's, it's, like yeah. a, it's like a raptor, but you triple the size of it and you have an Allosaurus. And I think that's incredibly fucking dangerous. And I would love to see like, that's why I, that was another reason why I, why I love Battle of Big Rock. Because, because like, there's an Allosaurus. Uh, 
it, it was an Allosaurus doing Allosaurus things. Yeah. I loved it. And I, I wanted to see more Allosaurus in that scene. Give me all the Allosaurus. But Acrocanthosaurus is such an interesting predator. Yeah. Um, that I just, I would love to see that adapted to the screen. I would love to see what they do with it. It was basically, for anybody who's unaware, Acrocanthosaurus was a very large predatory dinosaur right around, um, I think it existed right around the same time as the T-Rex and the same exact territory too. So they were constantly, yeah. they're constantly going at it back and forth, like for dominance at the same right. time. Oh, hi, hi cat. Um, <laughs> but they were roughly the same size. Acrocanthosaurus, I think was like, 40 or 45 feet long t-rex was roughly the same size as that as well but the acrocanthosaurus had a very interesting feature that it had like a half sail on its back and i just i don't know i think i think it's such an interesting dinosaur i played operation genesis yes (laughs) and that's how i got introduced to acrocanthosaurus and i was like oh this is a fucking sweet dinosaur like i like this guy i was about to say that's how i got introduced to acrocanthosaurus Dude, Operation the same Genesis, video game. Operation Genesis is baller, man. Like there are times over the past couple of years I'd go back to it, just play it once, and I was like, ah, oh, this game rocks. I love this game. <laughs> Did you have you played the new uh, Jurassic World Evolution games? I have not. My my laptop is so fucking decrepit <laughs> that it could not handle it. Could there's no way it could handle that game. So once I upgrade my my computer setup. I don't even have like, I'm not a gamer anymore. I used to game mm-hmm. all the time, but like, I think my newest game system that I have is probably an, uh, probably a PS2 or an Xbox. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, once I upgrade something somewhere um, all at once, uh, <laughs> I will, I will play it. I will get a hold of it, but I have to, I have to get some newer technology first, but it looks really good. Right. Evolution 2 looks really, really good. I, I enjoy it so far. It I, I have to say it doesn't hit the same way Operation Genesis does. And I think part of it is because mentally I'm always comparing it to Operation Genesis. <laughs> I'm so worried and, about that. I'm so and like, that's, it's just it, not I'm gonna fair. Like, I'm gonna compare this. Uh this is not cool. Yeah. And it's not and, and that's not fair to the game, but I can't help myself. Did you play uh, Jurassic Park Park Builder for the for the game the Game Boy? I did. Dude, that game was baller too. I loved I loved Park Builder. Even though you the like the dinosaur like little dinosaur like in the pens didn't look like anything like the fucking pictures of the cards that you got. Right. I love that game, man. That was a good park builder too. And they had like like four sprites for all of the dinosaurs. (laughs) Yeah. The, the large predator dinosaurs were all the same. The small predator right. dinosaurs were all the same. Like a Compsognathus, Compsognathus would look exactly like a Velociraptor. It was just like, Egg, exactly. <laughs> but that was a good game. That, that had a really, really good engine to it. So I, I had fun with it. I, I, I would play it all the time on like car rides, you know? Yeah, me when, too. When your parents are take, taking you somewhere and you always have to have your Game Boy all the everywhere you went so it brings me to the titular question of the podcast as you know my podcast is called would you die and Mm. that's where i bring your favorite dinosaur into play oh boy here we go so so i'll let you i'll let you pick between the allosaurus or the acrocanthus acrocanthosaurus because 
if I'm being perfectly honest, your chances are the same with whichever one you pick. They're both <laughs> very large predatory dinosaurs. Um, yep. What do you think your chances are? Would you die? <laughs> mm, I would be less concerned about the Acrocanthosaurus than I would be for the Allosaurus. Why is that? Um, well, the Acrocanthosaurus, again, large predatory dinosaur, very, very large. I would call it like extra large, right? <laughs> um, I could get into a small space and I could probably, I don't want to say I could outrun it because obviously it's footstep distance is much larger than mine, but I could, I have more agility than an Acrocanthosaurus, right? So I could potentially find a way to squeeze into a small space. I could, I wouldn't climb a tree because that's just a terrible fucking idea. But like, if I could find like a nook that I could fit into, I think I could, I think I could survive against an Acrocanthosaurus. However, the Allosaurus, that is a trickier dinosaur because it's not as large as an Acrocanthosaurus, but they, the, the latest research with Allosaurus is that they hunted in packs of like two to three. So if I am being hunted in a pack of two to three Allosaurus that are roughly about, we'll say 10 to 12 feet tall and about 30 feet long, and there's two to three of them and they have strategy, I'm fucked, man. I don't think there's, I don't think there's any way to survive that shit as a human being. There's no fucking way. Survive against the Acrocanthosaurus, I'd probably die against the Allosaurus, and I'm being realistic. <laughs> I'm not going to try to paint myself as a badass. I'm going to die. And I think you're in a, with being a stunt actor, a professional wrestler, you are like in great physical condition. You would I'd have a, a better, shot. <laughs> yeah, you would have, you would have a better chance than say someone like me. <laughs> I mean, if you if you jump me into water, like I swim like a fucking rock. So like <laughs> I can't I can't swim, man. Like if I have to go into water, I'm screwed. Like I'm totally screwed. So I give it my best shot. I can do a little bit of parkour. I have no faith with myself against either dinosaur or most dinosaurs, to be fair. So I, I'm just gonna say I would die. Those two dinosaurs, <laughs> the A the A predators, I would die. T Rex, hell yeah. Because my with my luck with the T-Rex, it's like, uh, if she can't see you, if you don't move, and then that's when I get to chills, right? Because I'm nervous, and then my body chills, and then I shake, and then the T-Rex is going to see that, or I sneeze or something. Right. And that would be the moment that you sneeze. Yeah. <laughs> like, you, know what, you know what that kind of reminds me of when they're in the fucking waterfall in Lost World and the Robert Bacher uh, yeah. knockoff? It's There's a snake a that fucking goes down his shirt. <laughs> It's a fucking milk snake, which is not even dangerous at all. And like, right. that scene cracks me up every fucking time. <laughs> would you rather go into the jaws of a T-Rex or would you rather let a fucking non-dangerous snake slide down your shirt? And I feel I like mean, every single person who fears snakes out there is like, well, I mean, I'd rather take my chances with the T-Rex. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you're, if you're going to yeah, get bit, so no ridiculous. matter If you're going to get bit, no matter what, what do you, what would you rather be bitten by? A fucking you know? milk snake, bro. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's not even gonna cut me open, man. I'm not even gonna bleed. Our our dude probably got bitten by both. Because <laughs> the snake's like, bro, why are you running into a T-Rex? I'm gonna bite you, try and get bro, out of this. I'm just trying to find a dry spot. You're right. my dry spot. Just let me hang out for a bit. <laughs> I, I'm trying to warm up. I'm cold blooded. I'm just trying to. I'm. I'm peaceful. Why? Why are you taking fat. me into a T-Rex with you? <laughs> I'm a peaceful snake. They call me a milk snake. It's it. <laughs> right. 
what's more peaceful than uh, one of my favorite like arguments to get into people since we're talking about lost world is people are always like well the lost world sucks because the plot hole because there's a huge plot how did the t-rex kill all the people on the blow it's a huge on the boat it's a huge plot hole and my argument is you're right but the t-rex in san diego is fucking awesome so who cares <laughs> it is a plot hole not oh lie. huge huge there was an ongoing theory a long time ago that i remember hearing about where people there's like a rumor that there was technically a raptor on board mm-hmm. and that's what or the um, the baby T-Rex got loose, but it wasn't the baby T-Rex because that got flown in. Right. There was a, 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 a rumor going around that it was uh, originally conceived that it was a raptor that was on the boat that caused all of the, the chaos and the, and the havoc. Um, I think that would have been really interesting had they gone in that direction. I don't think they did. I feel like we would have heard about that by now as like a deleted right. scene or a deleted or something storyboard wise. I think that would have been on there, but like, that would have been really interesting if like a raptor snuck on board and just fucking like maimed the crew. And like, I, I heard rumors or maybe I made, I made this up when I was a kid. I don't really know, but um, I heard rumors that it was supposed to be the um, pteranodons attacking the boat, which also makes sense, but they didn't have the, they didn't have the technology at the time to make it really work. Yeah. Well, the, the original ending, and this was storyboarded and was scripted, was uh, the pteranodons attacking the helicopter after they take off at the at the engine plant. So you that know, was might... originally supposed to be the the complete complete ending of it, but they just didn't have technology. Or Steven Spielberg wasn't happy with the technology that they right. had. I uh, might be conflating the two stories then, probably thinking of the raptor rumor, but then also knowing about the pteranodon original ending and my brain kind of just morphed it together. So that might be, that's probably what happened. Yeah, no, <laughs> it, 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 it's an interesting idea. Um, and it's it's kind of funny too, because I think they recycled it for other movies, like spe- specifically Dominion, or not Dominion, yeah. um, Jurassic World. So I, I'm, I'm glad that they got to do it. It was a good idea. Um, I think right. it would have been a better ending for Lost World though. I didn't mind T-Rex of San Diego. I would have liked. I loved it. Ending. It, it it was fun. It was fun. It was Spielberg gets to play Godzilla for a half hour. It was Spielberg wanting to do uh, what was that old nineteen thirties or nineteen twenties silent or I think it was a, no it wasn't silent. Um, it was a black and white. Oh my god! I used to know the name of this. Um, it was a it was an Apatosaurus attacking um, a city. I think it was either London or New York. I don't know the name, but I know what you're talking about. You know I, what I'm I talking about? Image. Yeah. Yeah. That was but... his that was his spin and his take on it was that was his like kind of his um homage yeah. to that film. That's why he wanted to do that. So I didn't mind it. I thought it was fun. I love it. Logically, it doesn't make sense. Nah. No, but, but I want to see it. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. It's fun. The only part I don't like is when the T-Rex eats the poor little dog. I I get it. it. I get it. But I was like, that's a eating it in front of the family is a little mean spirited. I loved it. I loved every second of it. It So good. And talk about beautiful animatronics, man. Oh my God. You can't replace the original like Jurassic Park animatronic T Rex. Like that shit was so good. Oh, that's the one thing like the Jurassic World franchise was missing was like that animatronic. Like, that, well, specifically my fa- that T-Rex animatronic. 
Well, my favorite scene in the entire Jurassic World trilogy is when Owen and Claire are trying to draw Rexy's blood because that's the only animatronic Rexy ah, yes. in the trilogy. And, yes. it's, and there's some CGI Rexy in that scene as well, but they're melded really well together. <laughs> Again, another reason why Fallen Kingdom is so much better than what yes. people call it to be. Because Fall- J.A. Bayona gets it, man. And he's a, he's a fucking great director. He is. I don't know he if you've is. seen any of his other work. Oh my God, he's so good. He's he did The Orphanage, great- right? Mm-hmm. That's the only he other work that. I've seen, did, but that's uh, great. Um, he did a, a Monster Calls to which oh, was yeah okay he's dude he's he's brilliant man he's so good what a great choice for for director I kind of wish that no disrespect to Colin Trevorrow because I think he was given a thankless job but I kind of wish they kept up with getting different directors for the Jurassic World right franchise. I I would have liked I would have liked to have seen that too um and again nothing against Colin Trevorrow like as we all know in filmmaking, the directors don't have final say so, it's the producer. Right. So as long as he stays on as, as executive producer, he can still have his, you know, he can still have his input. But like, I, I do right. like the idea of having different directors have like different like visions for sequels and, and other films and, and like franchises. Cause I like to have that difference between the films, but that's just, I guess me and you personally, but. Well, this has been so much fun. I. I could talk Jurassic Park for like a couple more hours, but you are a very busy man. So <laughs> I, I'm not going to, we'll, we'll, we'll find another time. Uh, we'll do a part we'll, two. Let's do a part two. Yeah. Life will find a way uh, as one of our favorite characters. <laughs> exactly. But you have a film coming out soon. So I want to give yeah. you a little bit of time to tell everyone about that. Yeah, so uh, I have uh, a film that I produced and uh, starred in a couple of years ago called Crow coming out on July 18th. Crow is based and inspired by the original Crow movie uh, starring Brandon Lee from 1994, which is also inspired by a very, very popular, very well-known comic book series by James O'Barr. So with Crow... It's a completely original story set within the universe with original characters. Um, There are like little Easter eggs and there's like little hints uh, towards what has come before the film. But overall, it is a very unique in its own type of story. And it's basically about a man who wakes up in the back of a trunk, no recollection of what happened to him and how he got there. And as the night progresses, as he's trying to figure this whole situation out, he gets these flashbacks and these um, these images of what happened. And as he starts building these pieces together, he starts understanding what happened to him. It was a, a film that we made locally in Detroit with a lot of local filmmakers um, that I felt were super talented and just needed the opportunity. And it's not a slight against other filmmakers in, in Michigan, but there's a whole there's a whole side of Michigan filmmaking that deserves to be exposed and to to have the world see their work and see how talented they are that just weren't getting the opportunity at the time. And I wanted to feature a lot of them in the making of this film. Because to me, this is a passion project. This is something that I had had in my head ever since I had seen the original, you know, Crow movie back like when I was like 12. Like I just wanted to make this movie so fucking bad. And with all the rumored remakes and reboots and all the stuff over the years, like the starts and the stops between like the Crow films coming out and the sequels being very lackluster. 
um, I just felt like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to do it. It may be a fan film. It may not be an official film. That's fine. I just want to be able to say that, like, I got to make the film that I wanted to make that's set within this world. So originally it started off as a short film. And then as we filmed it and as it progressed, when we went into the editing phase, we started realizing that we had so much footage that we could turn it into a feature. So we adapted it and we went to an hour and a half. And the story, I'm glad that we made that decision because the story is better told over that longer length of time, as opposed to just keeping it underneath 40 minutes. So yeah, so that's that's basically it. Um, we have our online premiere on July 18th. It'll be for free to view on YouTube. Um, but prior to that, on July 14th, we have a world theatrical premiere at the Bel Air Luxury Cinema in Detroit. I'm inviting a lot of the cast and the crew uh, I'd love to have the whole place sold out. I'd love to be able to upgrade to a larger auditorium, but we'll see how that goes. Um, but all the proceeds itself are going to be donated to, uh, to a good cause. We're not collecting any profit from it, from it. We're just taking, you know, a little bit to pay for the auditorium and then the rest is going to, unfortunately we had like a, a crew member of ours passed away recently. And, um, he, did a lot of work on the film. He did uh, VFX. His name was Jim T-Shirt, super talented filmmaker. He was director, editor, producer, like he could do literally everything. But for us, he did visual effects and he unfortunately passed away uh, a couple of weeks ago. So what we wanted to do for his wife and for his family is to take the proceeds that we make from the theatrical premiere and donate them to help take care of those final expenses. So that is our goal. We want to be able to help them as much as we can with this premiere. That's awesome. I, I, um, I'm sorry for the loss of your colleague, but I think it's really awesome that you guys are pitching in to help out with that. And we get to see his work in addition yeah. to, like you said, so many other Michigan talent that otherwise hasn't been seen yet. The funny thing is, is that we we filmed this movie two years ago. So I, <laughs> I have a good uh, idea of like kind of what everybody's been up to since then. And mm -hmm. everybody's, everybody's gone on to like bigger and like larger projects. They still work together. Like I, <laughs> I call everybody the crow crew. So like mm -hmm. whenever I start seeing like a production, take, take, um, go into filming or go into like production, I like see who's attached to, I'm like, Oh, this person's attached. This person, everybody, my crow, my crow peeps are, are on this film. And uh, it feels good to be able to have put together a crew that worked so well together that they're taking those connections that they made uh, from crow and they're just running, you know, the gauntlet with them. They're, they're taking those connections and they're, and they're getting more work and they're getting paid yeah. work. And, you know, they're, they're getting their names out there more. Like, um, like for example, like Matt Zagel, uh, our director, mm -hmm. uh, Santiago Bukowski, our assistant director, who is one of the best assistant directors I've ever worked with. Um, yeah. He's gone on to a ton of work since then. Um, uh, Dan Schmidt, who played Andy in the film, uh, he went into a lot of work. He lives in LA now. Like, um, <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's, it's been really fun watching people go on to make their own products. My cat is in love with me right now. It's been, <laughs> it's been really fun watching people's careers progress since we finished filming. Like Falpel or like Jason Allen or, you know, Jordan Curry or uh, Andrew Sosa. Like they're all making a like their own films now. They're making features and, you know, they're getting, a, they're, they're getting work and they're working with other groups and crews. And it's just, 
I feel like a proud papa. I feel like a proud dad because <laughs> I had a hand in putting all this together and it just, it feels nice to see that, um, I guess that you can make that big of an influence on somebody's life and career. It's awesome. I, and I, I'm so happy you did that because I was able to poach some of them when I made my short film because you mentioned Santiago and he helped me make my movie. Dude, he's else? so good. Oh my God. Oh, he's yeah, the nicest. Yeah. Isn't he the nicest guy ever? I, I was so nervous because it was my first time directing yeah. something. And he, he was perfect because he's like, I'm a help. Like he could, it could, it was such a chill environment though. I tried to hide it as best as I could, but like he, he knew what I was going through. <laughs> um, and he was just awesome. And it was one of those things where after like an hour or two, I felt so comfortable. Then I was then like, it took me a little bit to find my direct, you know what I mean? Cause it, when it's the first, yeah. right. Cause when it's the first time you're directing people, you kind of have that imposter syndrome, especially because oh, I'm yeah. meeting everyone on the day. I recruited people online. Um, a lot of people, cause like Kaylee who did makeup for me also worked on Crow. I can't and, even believe I forgot Kaylee, but Kaylee. She's amazing. Oh, she's phenomenal. And um, Molly Gibson, who was on your crew, she co-wrote yep. and starred in my film. So a lot of people that are mutual friends of ours. That's what I'm saying. Um, the crow yeah. crew. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Like, I don't think I would have been able to make my movie if your movie wasn't made, if that makes sense. But, but you see, like, how well they, they work together, right? It's, yeah. it's almost like superfluous. It, like, they just, they, it, it's, it, it's so weird, like, how it came together, but it almost feels serendipitous at the same time. Like, it was, it just feels like it made sense. And I'm just, yeah. I'm glad that everybody's gone on to bigger and, and better things. And not to say that Crow isn't great, because I love Crow. It, it, it's, it's, been an interesting process, a huge learning experience, but it's a, it's a, it's a really fun, great film with a lot of like interesting, strong themes to it. But like, it's been nice to see like, like the crew, like go on to like these bigger projects and like paying, like really well-paying projects and just seeing them get their name out there and, yeah, you know, get the opportunities that they do deserve. And because, I mean, I might be a little biased because I know a lot of people on the crew, but it really Crow is really a showcase of some of the best talent in Michigan right now. I think so. A hundred percent. Like we, we had a very talented cast and a very talented crew. I even think like I fucking got off stage like cast wise. <laughs> I think all the, like I did the best that I could, man. And I like, I'm not, I don't think I'm a, I'm not a bad actor. I, I, I feel pretty confident with my ability, but like, yeah, guy, like just Bob, people like Bobby Lanon, for example, or, uh, mm -hmm. Um, Callie Bustle or Dan Schmidt, um, Dan Pesta, uh, the, the Josh Ludi, the list goes on. Like these people are no slouches when when it comes to acting. So when you go into scenes with them, you have to be on your A game. You have to. It's a constant push pull, right? Yeah. You push a little bit, you pull a little bit. You push a little bit, you pull a little bit. And if you're not having that dynamic in a scene, there's no level to it. And I'm so glad cast wise that we had that. And distinctly every single scene that we shot, there was this, such a strong push-pull dynamic between everybody, no matter what scene it was. Um, 
I, I, I try to talk about, I want, I, when the film comes out, I'm going to be talking about things so like down to the nitty gritty of it. I can't talk mm-hmm. about things now because it's not, not, you know, it's not out yet, but like there's scenes in the film, like where, where they were just so haunting to do because of who was involved. Like, I remember there were times where like, there's one scene in particular that had emotionally affected me so much that I had to step off a set and I fucking cried, like weeped for like 10 minutes. Like I had to step off because I was just, I was in such a, a really bad headspace that it was hard for me to pull myself out of it. So that was that, there was a moment like that. And there was another moment between like uh, Callie Bustle and I, where mm-hmm. um, we, went, we went through a very traumatic moment in the film. And we were working ourselves up so much that like the moment that I would look at her, I would just start fucking crying and she would start crying. And then as soon as we finished the scene, like we hugged each other just because we needed to like pull ourselves out of that moment to be able to have that and, you know, have people who are willing to go to those levels and to push themselves that much, you know, it meant the world to me and it it made a, a huge difference when it came to the film and the quality of it. That That's awesome, man. I love hearing that. And I can't wait to see it. I'm excited, man. It's going to be fun. You haven't, yeah. you haven't seen a film like this come out from Michigan. I'll, I'll say that. Well, I'm so excited to see it. And, I'm, and I implore everyone to check it out. Like everyone listening. Uh, and I'm going to share the heck out of it. But it, thank you. I, I, I appreciate I'm, that. <laughs> I'm really excited for you. Thank you so much for being on the show. Absolutely, man. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I just want to say again how awesome it was to talk to Justin Maine. I had so much fun, and I hope you all check out Crow when it comes out. I'll place a link with more information in the episode description. Last week, the Supreme Court made a decision which is essentially an attack against millions of Americans. Bodily autonomy is a fundamental right, as well as reproductive rights. And with the overturning of Roe versus Wade, an extremely personal and private decision is now up to the state as opposed to the individual. I can't help but think of all the women who will die from this decision, whether it be from birth complications, health issues, suicide, and or murder as a result from this decision. Also, the forced births, which will lead to more poverty and more stress on an already broken healthcare system, which will lead to a higher rate of infant mortality. Sorry to end the show on such a bummer, but it would be morally irresponsible to not at least say something, even on a platform as tiny as mine. After all, horror is inherently a political genre and a genre which does not operate without empathy. In other news, I think I'm starting to get the hang of this podcasting gig. So please like, share, and subscribe to this show to help it grow. You can find this show's social media on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Would You Die Show. Feel free to talk to me on there. Let me know what you think of the show and give me any suggestions on what you might want to hear. You can find the Would You Die YouTube show on the Three Wise Men Media YouTube channel, where you can also find professional wrestling, trailer reviews, and much, much more. The music you hear in the beginning and end of each episode is composed by my friend, Josie Palmer. And that's it. That is the end of Jurassic June. Thank you to Jason Secrets, Alec Gibson, Josie Palmer, Lex Rannick, and Justin Maine for sparing no expense in joining me on this podcast journey to Jurassic Park. Things are a little bit up in the air at the moment, so I'm still figuring out what's coming to you next week. But rest assured, it will be spooky. Until then, I'm Austin Torres. Welcome to Jurassic Park.